Matthew 11, verse 25 through to verse 30. My name is Tyler. I'm one of the the pastors here, and it's my delight to uh, welcome you here this evening. Also, welcome to those who are joining us online. Matthew 11. Are we there? Yep. It says this. At that time, Jesus said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have, not, you have hidden these things from the wise and learned and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for this is what you were pleased to do. All things have been committed to me by my Father. No one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son and, who, and those to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Come to me, verse 28. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is is like. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I want to start by telling you a story. It's a story that my mom doesn't know. Um, so sorry, mom, that this is how you're going to find out about this story. Um, but some of you know, when I finished school, I took a gap year, um, went to Buckinghamshire for six months, and then went to New York City for four, four to five months. And in New York City, I was working for an organization there, and as part of it, as part of this Christian organization, I spent Fridays by myself the whole day um, in a particular area of Brooklyn, evangelizing and uh, promoting the ministry that I was working for. Um, When I say New York City, uh, don't let your mind go towards the, the financial district of Manhattan, okay, with all the affluence and wealth. Think of Brooklyn, think of the ghetto, think of the the gangs and the drug culture and everything else that comes with it. And here I was, this 18-year-old little Northern Irish boy, a long way from mommy and daddy, back home in Belfast. I was probably the only white person for, for many, many miles. And here I was spending a whole Friday here. The area I was kind of in charge of was called Glenwood Houses. So imagine with me, in the middle was this big, large grass area, maybe the size of a couple of football pitches, and dotted all around this grass area were these high-rise flats, tons of stories high. They call them project buildings in New York. And on one particular occasion, I was here, I was in that middle area between these high-rise flats and I noticed something. I noticed that at the bottom of all of these flats were these men. Every single one of them had at least a couple men outside these high-rise flats. It was suspicious. I hadn't seen it before. No one else was about. I didn't know what was happening. And then suddenly I heard a voice, okay? And I'm not going to impersonate the voice because I'll get it wrong, but in um, a ghetto New York accent, 
I heard a voice and I looked up and it was, it was this lady shouting out her window and she said to me, what are you doing? What are you doing out there? It's not safe. You have to come to me. You must come. Little did I know that that middle area that I was standing on was about to become a bit of a no man's land. That land between two enemy lines. That land was about to become a crossfire. A gang was gonna come in and start shooting at the other gang. I am so thankful that I heard that voice that day. But I'm here tonight to tell you about someone. That someone has stood in the gap for you. That someone has stood in the crossfire. I wanna tell you about someone who stood between the living and the dead. In that moment, one side of me was death. And on the other side of me, this lady shouting to me, come to me, there was life. I wanna tell you that that person has a name and his name is Jesus Christ. I wonder if you hear that voice tonight. Matthew 11 verse 28 says, come to me. Jesus is imploring us, come to me. In John chapter one, Jesus is described as the word. He is described as the word. He's described as the word throughout the Bible. Another example of this, Revelation chapter 19, verse 13, it says this, he is clothed in a robe dipped in blood. And the name by which he is called is the word of God. Jesus is called in a sense, the speaking one. He is the one who speaks. The Holy Spirit in the New Testament, the New Te the, sorry, the Old Testament word for the Holy Spirit is ruach. In the New Testament, the Holy Spirit, the word used is pneuma. Both words means breath. God is the breath. He is the speaking one. From his mouth comes communication, comes words. It's God's very nature to speak. And his voice, from the beginning of time, his voice has been reverberating, resounding across the face of the earth. I wonder if you hear that voice tonight. I'm not saying that he always answers your questions. We were hearing this morning of how sometimes God remains silent when we're facing some of the biggest difficulties and challenges of our lives. That is true. But what is also true is that God is always commu communicating and imparting something of who he is to us if we're willing to listen. In John chapter 16, verse eight, Jesus is speaking of the Holy Spirit. And it says this, and when he comes, he will convict the world of its sin and of God's righteousness and of the coming judgment. When the Holy Spirit comes, he will convict the world of its sin. 
God is continually communicating to you, Christian and non-Christian in this room. God is continually showing you that the world is broken, that something is fundamentally wrong with our existence, with the world which we inhabit. God is constantly convicting us of the wrong in our lives. The Holy Spirit is also convicting us of God's righteousness. God is constantly speaking to us about who he is, showing us that he is the answer. He is the thing that we have been looking for, that wrong that has been done, that what sin has made this world to be. Well, God is the answer. The Holy Spirit convicts us of God's righteousness. And finally, the Holy Spirit convicts us that there is a coming judgment coming, that how you live now, how you respond to that voice now, matters not just in the now, but it matters for eternity. For your whole life, God has been speaking to you. He has been nudging you. He has been expressing himself to you. He has been trying to get your attention. One question I've been asking myself this week is, When was the last time I intentionally inclined my ear to the speaking God? Non-Christian, in the room tonight, have you heard that voice? Do you hear that voice tonight calling to you, come to me, come to me? When I was 15 years old, wasn't brought up in church, never set foot in church, 15 years old, I walked into the sports hall just across the way to 412 on a Friday night. Had no interest in being there. But a song came on and said these words. My heart will sing no other name, Jesus. At that moment, I heard God speak to me. At that moment, I heard the God of heaven come down to me and say, come to me. Have you responded to that invitation that God offers to you tonight? The problem is that we close our ears to his voice. Psalm chapter 10, verse four says this, in his pride, the wicked man does not seek him. In all his thoughts, there is no room for God. We are all that wicked man who we don't seek him and within ourselves, within our thoughts, there is no room for God. See, humanity doesn't want God. Naturally, we are repulsed by God. We want to walk away from him, not come to that voice that says, come to me. The story of sin is that we didn't want a God We wanted to be God. We see that in Genesis chapter three, verse five. We want to be God. We don't want to have a God. But it's our knowledge of him that makes us accountable to him. And we see that in Romans chapter one. We are in knowledge of him. We have a knowledge of the living God because of his universal speaking voice that is speaking over all that is 
created. His, his voice is inescapable. It's an inescapable reality. But yet humanity has chosen to close its ears on God. But because he speaks, we are accountable. We don't want someone to be higher than us. That's our nature. So how do you remove God? How do you silence God? Well, you try your best to mute him, to put him in a soundproof box. And this is what we see in the modern world. The modern world has tried everything to silence God, to eradicate his voice. For example, and this is just one example, we see it in science. Science is not antithetical to God. Science is not in opposition to God. Yet some of us have been taught that by our teachers in school, me being one of them. But the issue is this. We being a humanity that wants to reject God, wants to be God ourselves, we have been, been so accustomed to running to explanation than running towards esteeming God. Humanity has chosen to kneel over a microscope than bow below the creator of the world. Microscopes and telescopes are all good, but as a human race, wanting to not come before the living God and not wanting to be held accountable to him, we become so concerned with what is seen that we miss the unseen one who is working it all together. Science and our quest for explanation doesn't remove God from the equation, as some have suggested. God makes the equation work. God is behind it all. Our explanations show us the ingenious skill, workmanship of God. It shows us the incredible love that he possesses for us in creating a world so complex yet so beautiful and intricate. Despite our desire to silence him, this God, our God, Jesus Christ, says to us, come to me. Despite our endeavor to silence him, evermore his ear is inclined to us. If you're a Christian here tonight, has something of your ears been, been closed to his voice in your life? Have you grabbed on to that steering wheel a little bit too much? Or is his voice the lifeblood of all the decisions that you make? Non-Christian, I want to encourage you to open up your heart to the possibility that God is a speaking God. That he is a God who has spoken to you and is speaking to you and is here tonight to say, come to me. I want to suggest that if you stir your life for long enough, 
you'll find a God who has been speaking to you all along through life's circumstances, through people, through events, through experiences. God has continually been inviting you to come to Him. I remember being a very, very young man. It was late at night, lying on my bed. I was worried and afraid. I don't know why. Probably a girl didn't fancy me back. (laughs) And I remember praying. And then God came and interrupted me. Interrupted that moment with his speaking voice. Don't ask me what he said. I couldn't tell you. But it was so compelling that everything changed in that moment. The only thing that didn't change was the fact that I was still sleepless, but I was sleepless for a whole other reason. Reason. I was in awestruck wonderment of who he was, that the God of heaven and earth, verse 25, I believe, of the passage we read, describes him as the God of heaven and earth. He spoke to me. What about you? Through the incidences, through the mundane moments of life, doesn't need to be as dramatic as that, but, but God is speaking. God has been drawing you close with cords of his love and his embrace. Can you trace his voice? Can you trace his voice through the, the faces and places and incidents where your life has taken you? Come to me. Come to me. It implies that we have been sought out by God. The God of heaven and earth has sought you and I out. In Luke chapter 19, verse 10, it says, The Son of Man came to seek and save that which was lost. God came for you. God sought you out. He came seeking you, not to devour you, not to paralyze you, but to liberate you in who he is. We deserve, depart from me. Yet he has said, come to me. We deserve condemnation. But yet he has made a way for us to righteousness. We deserve hell without him. But he has made a way to heaven with him. We deserve to be heavy laden and burdened and stricken by this world, but... He came to give us rest. We are, by our own choice, enemies of God. By our own choice, we have put ourselves in that middle ground between life and death. This is what your pilgrimage through through earth and through this life is. But yet what undeserving, unmerited, as, as Rebecca prayed, what unmerited favor and grace that God has lavished on us that he would say, not depart from me, but God would say, come to me. Who is invited? All. All who are weary and burdened. If the band want to join me on stage. The weary and the burdened. The Greeks... They were exhausted. 
The Greeks were exhausted by this age-old search that they had been on to find the true meaning of life. The Greeks, with all of their philosophy, with their Socrates, with their Aristotles, with their Plato's, it just left them more confused. It just left this quest for truth more convoluted than ever before. Truth was even more unsure. All their philosophy, all their ways of trying to think well influenced their thinking, but it didn't change their hearts and it didn't change their lives. Plato said, humanity is like leaky jars that are never full, that are never satisfied. Something was still missing. Even the greatest minds couldn't help people deal with that. Every piece of self-help, every bit of wisdom that, that can be found under the sun will not deal with the root cause of the issue with this world. I want to ask, when is that endless search for you going to end? The Jews were heavy laden. They were heavy laden with duties and regulations and morality that the religious elite, the Pharisees and the scribes were imposing upon the people. Jesus says this of the scribes and Pharisees in Matthew chapter 23, verse four. They tied up heavy burdens, hard to bear, and lay them on the people's shoulders, but they themselves are not willing to move them with their finger. Are you crippled? Crippled by trying to do it yourself? Crippled by trying to live well? Crippled by trying and trying and trying again to live to a certain standard? Are you crippled by other people's opinions of you? Are you living under the burden of trying to please someone else? What is that thing? That thing that you keep coming back to time and time and time again. What sin that leaves you empty and empty and more empty? What identity and association with something that leaves you more bitter and more hard-hearted than you once were before? What person, what friend, what partner is making you feel like you're utterly broken every single time? Jesus says, come to me. Come to me, all who weary and are heavy laden. Wealth and reputation, you can pursue that. But they're fruitless pursuits that will burden you, that will burden you, that will shackle you, that will weigh you down. Yet so often we return to them and we return to them and we go back to them. Maybe tonight you need to say, I'm gonna let go of them. I'm gonna come to Jesus. Maybe it's pleasure. Maybe it's, this intense desire you have for more and more pleasure. And, and you know as well as I do that, that it promises joy, it promises happiness, but it's fleeting. It doesn't last, it lasts but a mere moment, but it ends in ruin and devastation and regret. But with all of that said, our chief burden is not political oppression. Our chief burden is not finance. 
Our chief burden is not our employer. It's much bigger than that. It's much bigger than that. It can be felt in the best democracy and it can be felt in the worst totalitarian regime. It is felt by the the poor and it is felt by the rich. Our chief burden is sin. Our chief burden is that because of the fall, because of sin, we have been separated from the living God, separated from the one who is the source of all rest, the source of all hope, the source of all joy. Everything, everything that you come to to find rest for your soul that is not Jesus will leave you burdened and empty. What is that thing that you're coming to? Everything that you come to to find rest for your soul that is not Jesus will leave you burdened and empty. What is leaving you empty? What is leaving you empty-handed? What is Satan tempting you with? Saying, come, have it all. When in actual fact, it'll strip, strip, take every, strip you, strip you of everything that it was promising to give you. Jesus says, come to me. Come to me. What God wants to give you is not better looks. It's not a bigger bank account. It's not a brighter future. We think those things satisfy, but they don't. We think we need those things, but we don't. God wants to give you the one thing that does satisfy. God wants to give you what you really need. God wants to give you himself. What is the rest? Come to me, all who weary and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. You will find rest for your souls. What is that rest? He is the rest that he gives. He is that rest. A very old guy in the early church who lived over 1,500 years ago, St. Augustine or Augustine, spoke about this, that, that we have been made in the image of God. Genesis 1, 26. Because we have been made in the image of God, within us is this inbuilt nature to relate to God. But because of the fall of humanity and the sin, that relation, that relationship was broken. And and in us now is this brokenness, this brokenness before God. Because of that, humanity is innately unsatisfied, incomplete, unwhole. And in other words, humanity is restless. Humanity is beyond rest. We crave then to relate to God, but we don't know that it's God that we long for and so in the madness of what Satan offers us and tempts us with 
Instead of going to the Creator, we substitute the Creator for what is created, hoping to find in the Creator what we find in the Creator. But we were made to relate to God. Augustine said this in a prayer, and listen to these words. You, God, you, God, have made us for yourself and our hearts are restless. Our hearts are restless until they rest in you. C.S. Lewis, one of our own, said this. God made us, invented us, invented us as a man invents a machine. A car is made to run on petrol and it would not run properly on anything else. Now God designed the human machine to run on himself. He himself is the fuel our spirits were designed to burn or the food our spirits were designed to feed on. There is no other. That is why it is not good for, it is not That is why it is just no good asking God to make us happy in our own way without bothering with Him. God cannot give us a happiness and a peace apart from Him because it is not there. There is no such thing. This rest for you that Christ offers doesn't mean that you don't have to go to work and you don't have to labor. It doesn't mean that life won't throw more curveballs and challenges and obstacles and trials and tribulations your way. But Christ's rest is himself. And he is the only one that can satisfy your soul. He offers you a peace, a fulfillment, a sense of things being put right that nothing else can offer you. And he all comes here tonight offering you with rest for your souls, being made right with God. Really? Is it not just a bunch of talk? A bunch of ideas? Does Christ really make a difference? I can say from the moment that Friday night in that sports hall that I have been living the dream that I've not looked back. Yes, it's been hard. Yes, there's been points where I've been tempted to leave the God I love, prone to wonder. I felt that. But I can honestly say that my worst day, my very worst day with Him has been so much better, so much better than my very best day, but my best day without Him. Until you come, this restlessness will not end. The earth is groaning. The earth itself is restless. God is communicating something to you. God is communicating something to the world. Do you hear his voice tonight? Come to me. Come to me. What does it look like to come? It doesn't just look like praying a prayer. I would suggest that praying a prayer is good. But coming to Jesus, it looks more like entrusting your life 
entrusting everything into His care. Verse 29, take my yoke, take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I am gentle and lowly in heart and you will find rest for your souls. Take my yoke. What does that mean? It means this. God doesn't just welcome the sinner tonight, but he wants to raise up the disciple. God doesn't just want to save you, but he wants to send you. Not that we would just come to him and have a good night, but that we would become like him. Non-Christian, in this room tonight, I'm so glad you're here. God wants to take hold of your life. God wants to take hold of your life. God has a plan for you. A plan for you, a plan to make you into someone that he will use for good in this wicked and cruel world. And so as we close, could you bow your heads and close your eyes? Firstly, I'm gonna ask you to respond. But firstly, if you're a Christian in this room tonight and and there's just a sense in you that, that you need to come again. Come again to that God who has pursued you, that God who has loved you, the God, that God who has not stopped chasing after you and imploring you to come to Him. If that's you, I want you to respond, not necessarily in recommitment, although if you're in this room tonight, you feel like you've got to recommit your life back to God, then use this opportunity to do, to do so. But, but actually as Christians, we're not called to come once to the feet of Jesus, but, but continually our call as disciples is to come continually to Him, continually close to His voice. There's, a whole, there's an old uh, saying in the early church that says, a disciple is to be so close to your rabbi that the disciple gets the dust of the rabbi's feet. How close are you? Maybe you haven't been so close as to hear his voice. Well then, I would like to pray for you. So if any of that appeals to you, on the count of three, if you just wanna raise your hands and I'll pray for you and pray that God will meet you, that, that you'll be able to come close to him. One, two, three, if that's you, raise your hand. Father, I wanna thank you for these people, God. I wanna thank you for their honesty, God. God, I wanna thank you that they hear that, they hear that voice of heaven calling them, pleading with them again, come to me. And Father, I thank you for their act of faith in coming to you. And God, I pray for whatever burdens, whatever things are weighing them down, whatever things are stopping them coming close to who you are. Father, I pray in your grace and in your love and in your mercy. Father, would you pour yourself 
upon them, bringing with you the rest that only you can bring. Father, I pray as we worship and as they worship, Father, I pray that something would break over them. Father, that something in them would be illuminated in their hearts. That, Father, as they go out of this place, that it would be easy for them to continually come again to you and to know you not in an abstract way, not in a distant way, not in a removed way, but, Father, they would know that whisper that is ever close. And secondly, if you're a, Christ, or if you're a non-Christian in this room tonight, I want to ask you the question, where are you? Where are you in that crossfire? Where are you in Glenwood houses with that grass area in the middle and as it were, enemy lines around you? Are you in the crossfire tonight? Or are you in the safe house? Did you hear that voice and did you respond? And did you come to that house that brought you, that voice that brought you in and fed you and comforted you and provided for you and gave you rest? If that's you, I wanna suggest that this is your moment. That for your whole life, God has been speaking to you. And maybe just, maybe it's culminated into this moment where potentially for the first time you will hear that voice and you will respond. If that's you, if you wanna give your life to Jesus, listen, it won't be easy, but it is so worth it. It is so incredibly worth it. If that's you in the count of three, I want you to fire up your hands. We're not gonna embarrass you, but I just wanna pray for you. So in the count of three, if that's you, one, two, three. Bless you. Bless you. Is there anyone else? Where are you tonight? Come to that voice. Come to that voice. Father, I want to thank you so much for your grace and coming to us. We don't deserve it but yet you offer it. And Father, I wanna thank you for the young man tonight who has responded to you and we pray for him, Father, and we pray for his, his journey and his walk with you. Father, and I pray as he responds to that voice, Father, I pray that you would manifest yourself so evidently in his life, God, that, that your love and your Holy Spirit would just fall afresh in his heart, that his life would never be the same again, Father, that as he walks out of this building, God, that that Father, his life would not return to how it once was, God. But God, I pray that you would liberate him. You would set him free, God. You would know, God, that, that Father, even when he messes up and gets it wrong, Father, still your grace is calling him and your grace accepts him as one of your own. And so, Father, help him, empower him, and fill him, I pray. Let's stand to our feet, church as we worship God, let's use this time to come close to the one who says, come to me.